Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano. Hello and welcome. I hope you're having a heartfelt day. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your intuitive energy healing host, Lorraine Giordano. Let's take a few seconds to connect to our breath deeply and glide back into your body. Rest your energy down there at your root and sacral area. It helps the spinning to slow down a bit. See, that just helped me. So I'd love to connect with you. You can like me on Facebook at Inspired to Health. You can follow me on Twitter at Inspire, the number two health. And on LinkedIn, say hi, and I'll spell out my name, L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. You can also give a shout out, give some feedback, ask any questions on my website at inspiredtohealth.net. So I have some exciting and fun announcements, but I'm going to wait till the end of the show because we have a info pack show. Um, I'm a big believer in talking about health issues, quality of life issues that don't get talked about enough, especially regarding women's health and uh, women's sense of well-being and fellas too, and for the guys out there. So I have my hands in the air. Woohoo! I'm really pleased to have Olivia Bergeron. Um, she is a licensed cl- clinical social worker, and she's the founder of Mommy Groove Therapy and Parent Coaching. And she's on the show today. She's our lovely guest. And Olivia is going to share some really valuable, important information about postpartum depression, um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, versus the baby blues, and we're going to get into some of their challenges, risks, and opportunities to treat. And she's also going to chat about peaceful parenting, and it is possible, and she's going to share why it is possible. So to connect with Olivia, you can, and please do, reach out to her on our website at mommygroove.com, and that is spelled M-O-M-M-Y. G-R-O-O-V-E dot com. And on Facebook, you can connect with her there as well. Um, it's I'll spell her name. It's Olivia, O-L-I-V-I-A. And her last name is spelled B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N. And uh, she's also on LinkedIn. And um, her name is spelled out the same way on LinkedIn. And At the end of her LinkedIn account, she has LCSW. And so I mentioned it before, but for those who are not familiar with that acronym, that stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. So Olivia, I'm so happy to have you on the show. How are you? How's your day going? Going very well. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's my pleasure. So let's get into it. Um, Because... There's a lot of information that I, I hope we have time to go through it all. So what made you want to go yeah. into social work and what inspired you to create Mommy Groove Therapy? Well, you know, I was originally uh, heading more of a career, towards a career of 
a business or law or kind of international, uh, internationally focused. And then 9-11 happened. And I was working actually right across the street from the World Trade Center. And fortunately, I was a little bit late that day. So um, wow. after all that came to pass, it really snapped things into focus for me. And I realized that at the end of my life, what I'd like to leave on this earth is um, not having spent decades pushing paper around, but really to have left a legacy of helping people. And so that really kind of propelled me towards the social work career. Um, and so I became a therapist, and I worked kind of in a very um, a busy mental health clinic, and that was great. I really worked with a really a diverse crowd of, of um, clientele. But I once I had my own children, and I had uh, three kids under three for a while. After I my daughter was two, I had twins, which was a surprise, and. Um, I just came to realize that parents really need so much more support than they're getting. And really, um, that really caused me to orient my, my practice towards helping parents. And so that was the kind of the, the origin, the birth story, if you will, of mommy group therapy and parent coaching. Very inspiring. Very cool. And, um, You were recently quoted in Self Magazine about postpartum depression, and you mentioned that sometimes it hits immediately for new mothers. Um, so keen for listeners, since we're going to talk about postpartum depression and then PMAD, can you talk about some of the differences and nuances between those um, and how they impact new mothers? Sure, sure. No, I'm happy to break it down. I think it gets a little bit confusing. Um, and particularly in the media, sometimes they or we confuse the baby blues with postpartum depression, um, with even postpartum psychosis, and each of those things are, are quite distinct, and they're not the same. Um, so just for clarification purposes, the baby blues is not uh, a light form of depression. It is a bit of a misnomer that way in that it is... Um, basically transient uh, moodiness that happens. The literature says 50 to 80% of women experience that after giving birth. I would put it closer to 99.9%, honestly, because, um, you know, show me a new mom who isn't uh, tearful, who isn't fatigued, who isn't uh, a little bit on edge and kind of laughing through tears and just kind of up and down. So it's really hormonally based, and we see this across cultures. This isn't something that just exists in the Western part of the world by any stretch. We see it throughout time. There have been examples. Um, And so the main takeaway about the baby blues is that um, the mom doesn't feel bad all the time. Uh, She's mostly happy, and so the symptoms of, you know, crying or moodiness or frustration or irritability um, are really interspersed with times of pleasure. So she is able to take uh, joy in her baby and is able to feel good sometimes. Um, so, and the onset for that is usually, uh, it's within the first month. If it's beyond the first month, then it's not the baby blues anymore. And that's uh, about when the milk comes in, the tears aren't far behind, is, has some truth to it. And that usually uh-huh. it, you'll see it around day three to day five. Um, and it will not last more than 10 days. So, you know, if we start to uh, bear witness to somebody who is experiencing real moodiness and real having difficulty that lasts, you know, two weeks or so, we know, again, that that's not the baby blues anymore. 
So that's the baby blues. Um, and kind of within the, the conversation that people have, I think kind of lay people, uh, people say PPD or postpartum depression to mean a whole lot of different, uh, different things. So the, the correct term is actually perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, as you mentioned. And when we say postpartum depression, it's, it's, it's not really an accurate term in that uh, about a quarter of the time the depression or the anxiety actually starts during pregnancy. So it's not really accurate to say postpartum depression. Um, so that's why the, the PMADS acronym is actually more, more accurate. Um, so it, the PMADS, and I can just use that or I can switch back to PPD, whatever people would be more less confused by, but it is, it's an umbrella term. So it, it describes a whole uh, different um, different um, syndromes, basically, that are within that umbrella. So we have postpartum depression and anxiety and um, panic disorder and OCD. And at the very end of the spectrum, the least common would be psychosis. Um, so usually the postpartum depression and anxiety... Um, you're going to see that anytime during pregnancy or during the first year. And it tends to peak in occurrence at around month three or so. So I think anecdotally that's because that's when people tend to go back to work. Um, but it's, that's when we see a real spike. But it can, again, occur anytime during that first year. And then for anything that lasts over a year? Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, untreated postpartum depression and anxiety can roll over. And, and, and last longer. So if it's at day 366, I don't think that that's not postpartum depression anymore. Um, it's, it's, I unfortunately have worked with clients that have told me that they've never felt good and they have toddlers now or school-age kids and they think that they had postpartum depression and it just kind of lingered um, because it wasn't treated. And so that's a real, a real risk that I think we have to take into account when if we're letting this go and not, not addressing it you know, it can really drag on and become kind of a, um, a chronic disorder. And then we, it kind of rolls over then into more of a major depressive disorder that, that, that lasts. And obviously that's not what we want. We want people to get help early. Um, I mean, the good news about PMADS is truly that it is very, very treatable. And the earlier that people get help, the easier it is, the quicker they, they feel better. So uh, encouraging people from the get-go, if they're not feeling good, if things are feeling off, if they know that something's just not right, um, to get help, to really to seek out professionals who know what they're doing, um, who can help you get the treatment that you need. That's so important. Do you think uh, because some celebrities are talking about their experience with, let's say, whatever label they put, they use, whether it's PMAD mm-hmm. or... PPD, or sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um do you think that's bringing more awareness? Do you think, have you noticed a change in, in um, working with your clients that they're, they're willing to kind of go there and, and seek help more often than they used to? Yeah, you know, I think that there is, it's, it's slow, but it's happening. I mean, I think that there is still stigma and there's still shame around, um, you know, not, not feeling good after, after giving birth. And I think that, you know, when people come out and they, they, you know, it's still a it's still a front page story when a celebrity comes out and says, "Hey, I had PPD." Um, so if that's the case, then that means that you know it's a little bit juicy still. You know, it's a little bit uh, um, taboo almost to, to mention that. So I think that when it becomes more commonplace and when it's not front page news, that will be a good place where we, if we can 
get to a place as a society and as a culture where, you know, we accept that this is something that happens. One in seven women experiences postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, that's a really that's high number. That's quite a lot. You know, that's, that's really it's, high. It's the number one complication following childbirth in the United States. Number one. And so because if we are not, we're not addressing this, we're not treating it, I think we're doing a real disservice to people. Um, so, yes, I mean, I think that there is there's definitely more awareness out there, but there's a lot of more work to be done. I think some of the reasons why people aren't getting help is that uh, beside the shame or the stigma, not wanting to reach out, um, some people feel like if I ignore it, it'll just go away. They kind of yeah. white knuckle it and hope that, you know, hope for the best. Um, and once in a while, you know, with, with a more mild case of, of um, PPD, it, it might, might resolve on its own, you know, particularly if they put supports in place and they have family, uh, family to help. Um, I do think, though, that there are a lot of women that do seek help that go to their doctors and say, hey, I'm not feeling right. And unfortunately, they're told, well, that's just the baby blues. Go get a manicure. You'll feel better. And on that note, um, we're going to have to take a break, Olivia, but let's sure. pick it up because I think that's so important what you just said. So we're going to take a two-minute break and continue the conversation with Olivia when we get back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a forum of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I am your host, Lorraine Giordano. We are having a very important and fascinating conversation with Olivia Bergeron from Mommy Groove Therapy and Parent Coaching. Again, to find her, check out her website, mommygroovetherapy.com. All right, Olivia, uh, before break, I think you said something so um, valuable and that needs to be stressed a bit is that um, based on your experience, a lot of moms, new moms, go to their doctors and maybe their gynecologist or whoever is treating them um, just kind of 
maybe dismiss is not the right word, but, you know, they might be seeking help and their doctors kind of say, oh, this is just a case of the baby blues. Go get a manicure. Mm-hmm. Can, can you elaborate mm-hmm. a little bit on that more? Because I think that that's, that's a, a huge missed opportunity. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that doctors and midwives, uh, anybody in the professional medical community has uh, very little time to treat patients right now. You know, they're kind of under the gun for sure. Um, but I do think that there are certain intersections with the medical community that offer opportunities for women to get help. Um, and honestly, I would put more responsibility at the feet of pediatricians because they have a lot more interaction with new moms and dads. Oh, uh, you're right. Than, yeah. And OBGYN or a midwife who sees you at the six-week visit, you know, and gives you the day okay and says, okay, I'll see you in, in a year. So I would really hope that there would be some kind of a, uh, a movement, if you will, to get pediatricians to do screenings for PMATs. That, to me, would be my my ultimate. If I had a magic wand, I would wave that, and that would be the case because I think we would catch a lot more people. Um, because I said, as I said before, you know, if the incidence spikes at around three months and you're bringing your baby in for your three-month shots, uh, that's a really nice opportunity to kind of... Um, to catch people and to get them oriented towards the help that they need. And we do have screening tools that are, are validated. Uh, the Edinburgh screening tool is a 10-question um, test that people can take on their own. If they were in the waiting room, they could just do uh, that, and they can give it to the doctor, and they can have a little quick conversation about their score. Um, so there's certainly things that we can do to, to get people the help that they need. And I think that screening uh, in and of itself really raises awareness. But screening is not treatment. So, you know, once people do get a positive screen, you know, what do we do with those folks? How do we make sure that they're getting um, placed in good hands and they are getting connected to providers that are are well-trained and know how to handle this very specific population? Yeah, and before we get into the treatment opportunities, can you repeat that test that you just mentioned? Sure. The screening test? Edinburgh, just like the the city in Scotland. and it's a the it's a depression scale. So if you just plug that into Google, it will come up. Um, it has, uh, I believe, it's in many many different languages. And so it's really it's a great tool. It tends to catch more of the depression and less of the anxiety, unfortunately. But it is a great you know easy free tool that we have access to. Thank you for sharing that. So what does PMAD look like in parents for those who might be listening who are like, gee, am I experiencing this? Like, what what does it look like based on your experience? And does it show up differently, like um, maybe in different cultures or is there any nuance to it? I, I guess it's a there's a, probably a lot of nuance yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big topic. It's um, It certainly shows up differently in women and men. Uh, men can also get postpartum depression. That's how we know it's not purely hormonally based. Adoptive parents can get postpartum depression. So again, that's just another um, indication that this isn't just a hormonal issue. Um, so the emotional symptoms that we tend to see are um, sadness. We see a lot of anger, which is surprising for a lot of women. I mean, in this culture, we're not really permitted to express our anger. And yet people get very irritable and and angry and don't know what to do with that. And it feels like this isn't me. Um, And they don't recognize that, hey, this is part of uh, uh, postpartum depression and anxiety. And so that's a really important um, 
symptom, I think, to, to highlight with people. I think that there's also oftentimes um, kind of irrational fears. They will worry that their baby's going to be stolen. They worry about their baby not breathing, and they worry about their baby dying of SIDS. That's, this is pretty common. Um, a sense of, again, you've got the anxiety for sure, um, low self-esteem, an inability to laugh, difficulty making decisions. Um, so some of these, these symptoms, like fatigue is one, uh, for the physical symptoms are, are, they're a little confusing because again, show me a new parent that's not tired. And yet that's one of yeah. the symptoms. Um, and the way that we distinguish is, is when they do get sleep, is it restorative? Uh, if so, then that's not, you know, a depressive symptom. If not, then that is. So, um, kind of moving on towards the more physical symptoms, sometimes people will get, um, get that insomnia. They can't sleep when the baby's sleeping. They have um, either an excess of appetite or a loss of appetite, um, poor concentration, nightmares, headaches, difficulty breathing. So there, there's a whole constellation, excuse me, of, of physical symptoms that, that might show up as well as the emotional symptoms. Um, the the main one I guess that I see that the current that runs throughout all the clients that I work with is really a sense of guilt and a sense of failure. They feel like I've already messed this up. You know, my baby doesn't like me. I'm not, I'm not a good mother. Um, I'm weak. Everybody else is able to do this, but I can't. And, mm. um, that's a pretty profound sense of, of disillusionment and, and to experience following, you know, following and the birth you, of a child. Do you notice that men feel that as well? Yeah, the men tend to um, have a, a bit of a different presentation. So either they will get um, more aggressive, um, more more easy to anger in some ways, similar to the to women. But there's also a cohort of men that will withdraw, and so all of a sudden they're working extra hours. They're not home very much. They feel like you know they're they're kind of um, pulling away from the family. So that tends to be kind of the breakdown for them and for men as it's um, as it's presented. And do you find that, I mean, I think um, with social media, there's such an, in, like, everyone's kind of quickly looking at images of, like, idyllic, you know, motherhood, um, families. Do you think there's a certain mm-hmm. pressure point with that, like those images throughout the whole day, especially as a new mom sure. or a new dad? Well, I think that, you know, we don't spend a lot of time with babies. And so we don't have a real accurate picture of what it's like to be a new parent. Um, we're just disassociated from that. And so I think that when we get on Facebook and everybody presents this kind of bright, happy, shiny image of what parenthood looks like, and oh, you know, and I tell people this that, you know, sometimes you have to create a bit of a Facebook blackout because it's just too triggering to see all these happy, happy stories when you're not feeling happy, happy. Um, but I think that knowing that this isn't. You know, that, that could be one aspect of it, but it's not a real accurate portrayal. You know, new parents are exhausted. They're, you know, you have a new mom who, who's physically recovering, um, who is, you know, bleeding and, and, and engorged and, and just, you know, a hot mess. And that's, that's normal. And if we present to people that, you know, you're supposed to be back in your skinny jeans by week six, that's a real, that does a real disservice. So I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head in that. Yeah, you know, social media does not do us any favors um, in this kind of presentation of it. It should look this way when it's so divorced from the way it actually actually is. Uh, 
Yeah. And I guess the ability to bond with your new baby, I guess that's impacted as well. Well, sure. I mean, I think that when people are um, are depressed or they are anxious, it does create a bit of a wedge and it, it can be harder to take care of their child. It can be harder to, to bond because you're not feeling good. Um, and when that's the case, you know, it's, it's, it really is important for people to get the care that they need, get the supports in place so that they can feel good again, so that they can better take care of their babies and bond with them and form that attachment. You know, those, those first uh, hours and weeks and then months of, of being a parent are really critical. You know, you're laying down the foundations for your, your child and your attachment with your child and, and their future. So this isn't, it's important to get right. Um, you know, not to put too much pressure on people, but also to know that there, there are many different ways to quote unquote, you know, do it right. But I think it is, it is important for us to, um, not neglect the self-care and not to feel bad about taking care of ourselves because that is really, um, you know, my primary prescription that I write for people, um, is, is self-care. It's critical. Um, so we're going to have to take a break in a couple of minutes, but before we do, if you could start, um, if we could do a little dive, what are some of the risk factors? Because you were saying earlier that, um, PMAD, um, often it starts during pregnancy. So mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. risk factors make it more likely for parents to experience this sure. based on your so experience? We have kind of two, it breaks down into general areas. So one would be more biological or genetic, and one would be more environmental or social. Um, the biggest risk factor is if you've ever experienced postpartum depression or anxiety before. Um, so if it's your second go around and you had it your first with your first um, child, then really you need to put things into place to take care of yourself. That's that's the biggest risk. Um, but certainly anybody that has a family history of any mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, whether diagnosed or undiagnosed, uh, you know, some people say, oh, my mom is always a worrier. I've always been a worrier. Um, you know, flags go up for me because that means that there's likely some anxiety there. Um, so that's the, 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 the biological component. And the environmental component is um, for people of low socioeconomic status. That's a big risk factor. Um, parents of multiples, uh, parents that have closely spaced births, a colicky baby, you know, a difficult baby. Um, if you had a highly medicalized birth or a C-section, that's another risk factor. And mind you, none of these are causative. And if one of these, you know, you experience, it doesn't mean that you will get uh, a PMAT. Um, but it does, uh, it does, uh, they're risk factors. So, it's worth paying um, attention to. Sorry? It's worth paying attention to, and we're going to have to take sure, a break. absolutely, absolutely. So on that note, you have, there's a, a couple others, like oh. perfectionistic personality, if you've had birth trauma, if you're a teen parent. So as you can see, that's, you know, a lot of these things are outside of our control. Um, Olivia. And yet... Yes. Olivia, we're going to have to take a break. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you, but we'll be back and we'll pick it up on the flip side of the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everybody. This is Lorraine Giordano, your host. And we are talking with Olivia Bergeron from Mommy Food Therapy and Parent Coaching. Um, And while we were on break, because before we took break, actually, Olivia was sharing some uh, biological and some social um, risk factors to pay attention to. While we were on break, though, Olivia shared um, an important um, statistic. Earlier in the show, she said that one in seven women experience uh, PMAD. And Olivia, if you could share the statistics for men, because I think this is uh, not known enough. Yeah, it's, it's a bit surprising. It's actually one in 10 men uh, experience depression following the birth of a child. So I think it is, it is really prevalent and it is something that we need to monitor. And if um, certainly the moms aren't getting screened enough and uh, absolutely the dads fall through the cracks as well. Yeah, that is uh, a significant opportunity for some a lot more awareness and for a lot more help. Certainly. So thank mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um. So what can we do to prevent and or treat? Because that's awareness is great, but the treatment, the healing of it is is, is most important, right? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. What's your experience? What ideas do you have to share? Well, I mean, I when I work with clients that during pregnancy or even immediately after that have had a history of, um, you know, uh, anxiety or maybe depression in their past and they really want to work on the prevention piece, um, I tell them to prepare um, for the postpartum period as if they were having twins. In other words, get more help lined up than you think you actually need. So, and it's much easier to do that while you're pregnant than while you've got a baby in your arm and you're trying to, you know, um, make phone calls and, and, and take, stuff, take care of stuff. So, really uh, do your research ahead of time. Make sure that you've got, uh, you know, a lactation counselor lined up. And, it, you know, you can have conversations with these folks and just have their numbers ready to go just in case. You know, you never know. And you'll be very happy if you did the research ahead of time if you happen to need those people. 
So um, postpartum doulas, I always suggest that people line up because, you know, very often we're away from our families of origin and we don't have that, you know, mom or aunt living next door we can pass the baby to if we need a break. So having somebody come in and really lend a hand is, is key. Um, I think that sleep is, is, is primary. How do you figure out how do you, you know, to get to get sleep? Uh, I think it's a multiplier factor as I think we can pretty much all identify if we haven't slept well, things tend to go worse. Um, we tend to do less well. We tend to be less patient and less less kind with ourselves and other people. Um, so focusing on ways that, you know, how do you make sure that you get those naps and how do you make sure that you're getting the rest that you need? Uh, another domain would really be nutrition. You know, if you haven't, uh, a nursing mom is pretty much a dehydrated mom. So making sure that you have access to, to water, that you've got water stations set up wherever you are in your, your, your apartment or your home, um, and that you're drinking a lot of water, you're eating, uh, keeping your blood sugar up as well, and, um, you know, eating quality foods regularly is, can be a real challenge for people because, you know, I, I often advise that they line up kind of one-handed foods. So things that you can just pop up in the fridge while you've got your baby in your arms and, and eat, um, because that is really important. Um, I do think as well, you know, if you do have a history, if you've been depressed in the past, uh, do some research and, and find a therapist. You know, find somebody, either start seeing them ahead of time kind of as a prophylactic or to have somebody lined up if, if things go south and you, you feel like, okay, um, you know, I need, I need help, that you know who to call. And I think that can be really beneficial and really helpful for folks just because, again, this is not that kind of, it's harder to do, not impossible, clearly, but it's much harder to do that kind of research and put those things in place um, after giving birth. That's great advice. And it's also great that listeners know that Olivia is a resource. Um, She works with many families helping them. So... Thank you for sharing your, your wisdom, Olivia. Yeah, and if people want to reach out to me and, and, and want, um, you know, either point them in the right direction or to, you know, get a, a consultation, I'm happy to, happy to work with them. They can reach out to me through my website, mommygroove.com. Awesome. So there's still a lot more to talk about um, regarding PMADS, but let's talk about peaceful parenting. So, um, what I think is so cool is that you were selected to be a part of the first ever coach training with Dr. Laura Markham, who is the author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. So, that's very cool. Yes. Yes. So, for listeners who might be in Mm -hmm. disbelief that peaceful parenting um, is even possible, can you describe what it is and what makes it possible? Yes, well, it definitely is possible. Um, the reason why I began to offer parent coaching and really um, took to peaceful parenting as, as a great model is that, you know, I had clients that would come, they'd see me and they'd come back once they had a toddler or a school-aged child and then they were out of sorts again and they, they would ask me these questions, you know, my, my toddler is tantruming, I don't know what to do, um, or my school-aged child is, is not listening to me anymore and the timeouts aren't working. Um, and so I found that with my own children, really reading Dr. Laura Markham's book um, was, was very, very enlightening. And so getting trained with her was really a privilege and an honor. And so um, 
that's how I got on that track. But peaceful parenting is really about, um, it has a few different components. It's, it's basically at its core, it's motivating children with, with love rather than fear. So that means offering unconditional acceptance and expressing, you know, allowing your children to express their emotions and to support them through that without, um, without punishing them, without rejecting them, without giving them the message that they're not good enough. And at its core, it's really, um, it's about connection. And the idea is that children will act out um, and they're signaling to us that something's wrong. And it's our job as the adult and as a parent to help them figure out um, what their unmet needs are and to to address them. And how do we do that? So we, um, first of all, at, at number one priority is really to to self-regulate, to get a get a handle on our own emotions. You know, if your child is throwing a tantrum or your 10-year-old is yelling at you, um, throwing an adult tantrum back is not really the way to go. Um, and that we need to model emotional regulation ourselves so that our children can learn that from us. And that's tough. You know, if you've grown up with a family of yellers, um, it can be a real um, challenge, a big ask, if you would, to to not do that anymore. So a lot of the people that I work with, they tend to uh, come to the realization that they don't want to parent the way that they were parented, and yet they don't know how else or what else to do. You know, they don't know, they know they don't want to spank their kids. They know that timeouts don't seem to be working. Um, kind of bribing them or threatening them doesn't feel very good and it, it loses its effect. And so they're kind of caught flat footed. Well, now what? So I think peaceful parenting is a really nice answer to that question in terms of now what? Um, so uh, you have the self regulation piece and you have the connection, and it is mostly about connection with our child because if they aren't feeling connected with us, then they, then they won't follow our lead. Uh, they won't accept our guidance. And the the final component is really setting limits with empathy and understanding. And that means guiding them but not controlling them, knowing that we're in charge of our children, um, but we're not in control of them because anybody who is feeling controlled will rebel. Uh, whether you're four years old or 44, nobody likes to be controlled. So um, that's kind of uh, in a nutshell what it's all about. Now, do you think peaceful parenting is possible even, let's say, as a parent, you're not feeling your best? Yeah, it's, it's, it's much harder, of course, but I think that everything is harder if you're not feeling your best. So what I really like about the peaceful parenting model is that self-care is really put at a premium. You know, that saw where you've got to put on your own oxygen mask before you can offer it to your child is, is, is foundational. So making sure that, you know, I'm a big, uh, I push the self-care piece, you know, whether it's with my, my therapy clients or with my parenting clients. It's not, you know, making sure that you're taking the time to take care of yourself, to refill your own cup is so critical because we can't give what we don't have. And, you know, if we don't have that, that sense of calm and, and generosity that we're providing to ourselves, we cannot be emotionally generous to our children or our partners or our bosses. Um, so it is, it's certainly, again, it, it's tougher to, to put these practices into place if you're, if you're not feeling good, but because it is, the focus is really on, on making sure that you're um, taking care of yourself, I think it is, it is possible. And I think, uh, would you say that it helps alleviate um, a lot of parents' feelings of guilt? Because even in my practice, there's a huge amount of guilt that a lot of moms and dads are feeling. 
Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, I think that if if we're not feeling comfortable with the way that we're parenting, uh, you know, we know this isn't this doesn't fit. This doesn't feel good. You know, you're not left. Uh, if you're constantly, you know, you've got flare-ups with your children and instead of pouring water on those flare-ups, you're pouring gas, that doesn't feel very good. It usually doesn't sit very well. So people know, okay, something is off. Um, and when I work with clients with the parenting coaching piece, I find that, you know, they say these books, they sound great, and in theory that would be great not to yell at my kids, but what do I actually do when, when the rubber hits the road and, you know, my kid has pushed every button and is pushing every limit, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm exhausted, and end of a long day, what do I actually do? So I think providing people with with words to say and with actions and things to put into place can be really a great relief, and it can feel like, okay, I finally have a roadmap. You know, I finally have found my, my North Star, because um, I think that that's can what a lot of people are, are kind of lacking. Yeah. Can you give one simple, basic example is that well, putting you on the spot? Um, <laughs> you know, I think that there are, you know, we're trying to hit that sweet spot between the permissive parenting, which is, is no good, and the authoritarian parenting, uh, which is not great either, to find that authoritative um, sweet spot, if you will. And I think that, you know, when we have kids that are, are tangerine, for example, some parents will try to shut that down and to not accept these big emotions that our little kids are having and to say either, you know, stop crying or go to your room or, you know, here's, I'll buy you a toy or here's a lollipop. You know, we're, we're trying to, we're teaching them that emotions are scary. You're showing them that I, as the adult, I can't handle your big emotions. Um, you know, it's too much for me. And so they're dangerous. So you better squash them down uh, and stuff them. And, you know, that leads to adults that <laughs> do the same. And will kind of, and those emotions don't go away. They just, they just fester, and unfortunately, they come out at, at other times. Usually, an inconvenient time or place uh, at a target that is not particularly appropriate. So, um, I think that with the the peaceful parenting approach, where you're able to say, "Oh, sweetie, you're having such a hard time," you know, I'm going to sit with you and and you know, and just listen. And I think that being present for our kids is another big component of that and, and being there to, to bear witness to their pain without trying to shut it down. You know, we can't fix it. We're not there to fix their, their emotions. Um, they're allowed to have those feelings and that's okay. Yes, and, and on that note, and, we're, I'm going to have to interrupt you and we're going to have to take a break. But thank you for sharing that example because I think that was really powerful. We'll be back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting InspiredToHelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. 
Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net now back to the womb happy hour hi everybody you're listening to the womb happy hour i'm your host lorraine giordano and conversation is going by so fast but it's so fascinating and interesting um olivia bergeron has been sharing a huge amount of information um she is from mommy groove therapy and parent coaching her website is mommygroove.com please uh check her out she is um very knowledgeable and she's very passionate about um helping parents uh with their children and so What's also really cool about Olivia is that she speaks Spanish and French fluently. So she offers her services in these languages. (laughs) Right, Olivia? That's right. We and (laughs) see. And um, I love how you um, say in the episode title it's included is stop yelling and start connecting with your children. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that it's, it's, the yelling is a lot of something that people, they do a lot of, unfortunately, and we wonder why our kids start to yell back. Um, and so I think that one of the ways and one of the, the, the steps that people can take to start on their peaceful parenting journey is to commit to not yelling. And that can be a real challenge for a lot of folks. Um, but if you're able to, to stop doing it, once during the day when maybe you did it a bunch of times and you caught yourself. Um, and I think that if you're able to tell your kids, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, let me rephrase. Um, you know, if you're able to identify that you're getting, you're getting angry, you're getting flustered, you need to take a time out, you can say that to your kids. You know, you can say, listen, I'm getting, I'm getting upset right now and I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to go wash my hands, I'm going to drink a glass of water. And I'm going to take a deep breath, and we're going to come back, and I will help you with this. Um, but I think that that does take a certain amount of self-awareness and a desire really to change and to identify that mm, yelling is not the way. You know, and I think that you know, as adults, if somebody's yelling at us, we're not listening. We're usually um, thinking about what to say next or, or dissociating a little bit or getting very defensive, and so I think our kids do the same. Yeah, and the ripple effects of not yelling, even let's say if you yelled five times but only yelled three times, I mean, I think there's dramatic Mm -hmm. positive ripple effects out of that. Absolutely. Well, I think it diminishes the the power struggles that we have. You know, when we're able to show up for our children, when we're able to to be calm and in control, they need that. They need that sense of, you know, and I think some people confuse peaceful parenting with like limitless parenting or more permissive parenting. And that's really not the case. The idea is that you are setting limits, but you're doing it warmly. You're not doing it in a punitive, harsh way. It's, you know, I know you'd like to stay up later, sweetie, but it's time for bed. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a way of approaching that where you're not, you know, 
you know, go to your room, get to bed, you know, lights out, and off you go. Um, And then people respond and children respond much better to that. Yeah. But for listeners out there who might be a little skeptical, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, what would you say if they said, well, Olivia, aren't my my children going to grow up spoiled, you know, if there is no punishment, if I don't Mm -hmm. yell at them, Mm -hmm. if I don't, you know. Well, I mean, Show them that way. again, you're, you're, if you're, you're disciplining through fear, and the origin of the word discipline is really to teach, and so we're trying to offer our children guidance and a sense that they know right from wrong, and they know how to behave because it's the right thing to do, not because they're scared of getting punished, and that can be, that can be hard for, for parents to kind of swallow and wrap their, wrap their heads around a little bit, but I think if you're looking at it from the long term. No, we want our children to do the right thing because it's the right thing again, not because they're they're scared of us. Or, um, and I think I look at it a bit as a, as a as a pyramid. You know, if you're able to put the work in right now with younger children, and have them trust you and have them follow your lead and know that you've you know you you've earned that respect from them, that as you go into the teenage years, things are much easier. You're not struggling as much. Uh, whereas the parents, it's kind of an inverted pyramid. If the parents that don't put the time and the effort in when the kids are younger, apparently the adolescent years tend to be a nightmare. And it tends to be, you know, a time of rebellion and people lashing out and lots of conflict. And it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, and, you know, the research really shows that when you use a peaceful parenting approach, kids are happier. They're more self-disciplined. They're more considerate. And who doesn't want that for their kids? Absolutely. Now, if we were to have um, some of your clients call in who learned peaceful parenting, who you helped Mm -hmm. kind of use this opportunity, um, are there any common, is there any common feedback that you get? um, And you kind of just said one, but um, do they, do parents feel a lot more relaxed or just in, in control is there any common feedback that you get from them? Yeah, I think that they, they do feel more in control. They do feel more more in control of, them, of themselves. You know, the peace and peaceful parenting is really from the parent. The parent brings the, the peace to the situation. The parent is the one that is, is, is presenting as the calm authority in the face of the, the turmoil that is uh, little children and then big kids too. Um, it's It's... You know, parents will, will come back and they say, you know, I feel I feel good again. I feel good. I feel pride again in my parenting. I wasn't feeling good before. I felt I felt kind of yucky, and now I feel confident and I feel like okay, I, I know I know what to do when when these things happen. You know, the, the the trigger points are they tend to be around getting up, getting out the door, getting dressed, uh, meal times, bedtimes, and homework. You know, kind of mm. those are the times, and those things happen pretty much every day. So people have a real ample opportunity to put these things into practice and they start to say, hey, you know, my evenings are a lot calmer now. They're a lot smoother now. My kids are able to, to um, you know, get their homework done without me badgering them anymore. And then things are really, they do shift. And fortunately, it's, it's often the small changes that have a really big impact. You know, so if you are yelling yes less with your children, if you are dedicating one-on-one time and being really present with them, um, they will notice that. And what we water thrives, what we water grows. And so if you're able to, you know, dedicate time to being with your children and to really focusing on them and giving them the attention that they need so that they don't need to act out in order to get that attention, um, I think really big people have a real big, um, a big impact. 
That's beautiful and powerful. And um, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to wrap up. <laughs> this went yeah, so fast. Wise, huh? It really does. I want to thank you so, so much. I'm sending you a big hug. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing all this valuable information about parenting, peaceful parenting, and about um, PMADs and PPD. And uh, there's a huge opportunity. So I'd love to have you back on the show um, because I think there's definitely a lot of work to do and the message still needs to get out there as, as much as possible. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. You're welcome. And so listeners, thank you so much. Remember, if you want to contact Olivia Bergeron, please do. Uh, her website is mommygroove.com um, and she is on Facebook, Olivia Bergeron uh, Olivia, O-L-I-V-I-A, Bergeron, B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N. And um, we're going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to share my announcements next week. Um, On next week's show, though, I'd like to say that we are having Jacqueline Rolandelli uh, from the Mystic Feminine on the show. Uh, She's going to talk about rites of passage. And uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And um, if you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at inspiredtohealth.net. On Facebook, I'm at Inspired to Health. And Twitter, Inspired to Health. So remember, connect to your breath. Send, pull your energy down. Send a little love and light down to your womb area uh, and your root area. And uh, we'll be back next week. It's a pleasure and an honor. And uh, this is your host, Lorraine Giordano, and you're listening to The Womb Happy Hour. Thank you for joining us for The Womb Happy Hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an excellent week.